Question for you, have you ever been in a situation, a setting perhaps, where you just felt maybe a little out of place? Like you, like you just, you weren't fitting in. Like you were the odd man out, you know, you were the, 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 the knot on the log. You just, they were having conversations perhaps. You, you weren't, um, you know, aware of understanding or uh, uh, you just weren't comfortable in that situation. I, I know I, I've been there in times in my life. And I remember shortly after uh, my wife had our first daughter, and uh, uh, there was uh, some ladies that were over at the house and, and uh, they were sitting around in the living room and, and I was with them and, and, and they were all about the same age as my wife and they were all talking about, well, I mean, it just kind of evolves. You know, young girls, young ladies, when they've had a baby and everyone's about that same age, that's what they talk about. I didn't realize that, but that's what they start just, you know, oh yeah, you know, they start talking about centimeters and things like that. I'm like, this is really, well, I'm not sure how I feel about this. And they're talking about how long they were in labor and lotions that they need to use for keep the stretch marks to a minimum and all these things that they were going through. And finally I said, you know, I just, I don't think this conversation is like where I need to be, you know, and I surely don't have anything to contribute. So I just kind of eased my way out of that situation. You ever been there where you just kind of didn't feel like you fit in? Well, I think sometimes it just in the natural fact of the world we live in, sometimes I think I feel like that way. I know you probably do as well. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 8, verse 23. He says, you are from below, but I'm from above. You are of this world, but I am not of this world. He was talking about two different dimensions that are existing even now. The Message Bible says it like this. Jesus said, you tied down, you are, you're tied down to the mundane. But I'm in touch with what is beyond your horizons. You live in terms of what you see and what you can touch. But I'm living on other terms. I told you that you were missing God in all this and you are, dead, you are at a dead end. What, did we, what was Jesus saying? What was he communicating to us? He was telling us that there's a whole other level. There's a whole other sphere, if you would. There's a whole other dimension of life to be lived, to be experienced, to walk in, to enjoy, to breathe and live on a daily basis. So many people just live in the natural world, if you would. I don't know about you, but you probably this past weekend were with other family members or perhaps uh, people around that you're familiar with, you work with or whatever. And I, I know we were at a family kind of get together and we go get together with my wife's family and, and we have a wonderful time and I love her family and we all love one another. And of course, there's nobody that, that makes food better than South Mississippi people. I'm telling you, they just got something going on there. And, and of course, we were just having a wonderful time. And, and we, we were just talking about everything imaginable. We talked about politics. We talked about uh, football. We talked about... Um, we talked about stock market, we talked about business, and we talked about families, and who died, and who's alive still, and who's had babies, and who's been arrested. Come on, we, talk, all, <laughs> we talked about all these things. And they were enjoyable things, and I was thankful to be a part of them. But can I be honest, deep inside of my heart, there was a longing for a whole nother type of conversation. 
There was a longing to talk about God and spiritual things and scripture and God's word and what God is doing in our lives and what's God saying to our families. And these are the kind of conversations that just take me to another place. These are the kind of conversations that feed something inside of me that, that nothing else, you can talk about politics and sports and all that all day long, but it doesn't feed you. It just kind of many times leads you to a dead end. But, but when you talk about heavenly things, when you, when you just start entering into a spiritual conversation and talking about and experiencing those kind of things, and you, you realize that, that there's so much more to life. Somebody say amen. I want to share a scripture with you that we've been just kind of jumping into. and I believe it has a lot to say to us about an eagle. Deuteronomy 32, 10 and 11, in a desert land, he found him. Talking about Israel, or in this setting, it would be us. In a desert land, God found us in a barren and howling waste. And he shielded us and cared for us and he guarded us as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. So we talked a little bit last couple weeks about an eagle. I wanna revisit that, I wanna close out this series there's a lot to be learned of the eagle that is referenced in the scripture. I want to give you six characteristics of an eagle. We talked about number one last week. Let me just review. The eagles have incredible vision. That an eagle can see something two miles away, like a rabbit or even a mouse, can locate a mouse two miles away. And he'll lock his eyes upon that object. He will not be distracted. He will not look to the left or the right, but he will stay totally focused like a heat-seeking missile until he grabs that. At 100 miles an hour, he flies at even greater speeds as he descends. He can see things that no natural man can see. He has five times greater vision than we have. Has a special little eyelid over his eye where he can fly even into the sun. Sun uh, rays do not bother him. The, the glare of the sun does not affect him. He, he's unaffected even by that. And what I wanted to bring out today just about that is the eagles are born always in a very high place. Many times mountains or sides of cliffs or very remote places high up in the atmosphere. And they give birth to their eaglets. And their eaglets come out and the first thing that they experience and see is life lived from another dimension. Not as we talked about last week as the chicken or the turkey just kind of on the earth just pecking around for meager existence. But very early in its life, the eagle finds his home in the heavenly, in the dimension that is not as other normal animals would live. 
And I would say to you that your perspective and your level uh, that God has placed you in is also another dimension, another level, another perspective. God has brought you, if you've asked Jesus into your heart, if you made him the Lord of your life, uh, then he has introduced you to a whole nother way of living, that you don't live as the earthly people may live, but you live in another dimension. As Jesus was talking, I'm not of this world, I live in another dimension. And I wanted you to know that he's inviting all of us into that dimension, a place where negativity is not our home, a place where discouragement is not familiar to us, a place where worry is not something that we are accustomed to, a place where fear is not our home, where hopelessness is not something that's a way of life, uh, that we live far above that, that we've been lifted up and our home uh, is in the heavenlies, our home uh, is in the place, if you would, looking far above that th- those things that are below. God has called you to that place and you live there and that's where you're comfortable with, amen? Eagle Christians can believe God for things that other people can't believe in. People watch the news and they see what's going on and they just live life as if that's the way it is. Uh, get a doctor's report and they live their life as that's the final report. They, they get a, a, a report from the bank or they you get a notice you know, from the, uh, a creditor and they, they, well, that's it. That's just the way it is. They, they get a pink slip by the bus or let go because of re- downsizing and they just see, well, that's just the way it is. But, but if you're an eagle Christian, if you, if you live in the heavenlies, if, if Jesus Christ is truly abiding in your heart He's, he lifts you above these situations and, and your perspective is, is no, this is not the end. I, I have faith, I have hope. I, I believe that God's on me and with me and in around me and he's leading me and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You have eyes of Christ and you have vision. You have vision, you see things that other people can't see. You, you look and, and other people say, well, that's, that, that could never be, that could never, this could never happen. And yet you see uh, the, the, the world in a different lens. You don't see that, that, that child as unsaved and lost. And, and you, you see in your eyes your child saved. You, you don't see your, your family as a, as a problem. You don't see your spouse uh, as a dead end. You, you see things differently. You, you live with an eye of faith. You live with an eagle eye and, and you have vision for your, your family, you have vision for your church, you have vision for your city, you have vision for your state, you have vision for this nation, you have vision for the world. You, you're not caught off guard, you don't live depressed and discouraged uh, down here with the chickens and the turkeys, but, but you soar all the time. No matter what report is given, you always find a way to soar above it. Come on, somebody. And the question is, what do you want to see? Because you can see things any way you want. But God will always challenge you not to see it the way everyone else sees it, but to see it the way he is seeing it. He will come over and over in the scripture and say, he tells Ezekiel, come, what do you see in this valley? He says, well, I see a valley of dry bones. Everything's dead. It's disconnected. It's just a bunch of bones heaped upon each other. It's just dead. It's dry. It's desolate. It has no hope, no future. And God's, no, no, no. No, that's not the way it is. If you'll just put another lens on your eyes, you can, if you look through my lens, if you'll just speak to the bones, if you prophesy to the bones, if, if you allow my wind to come through your mouth and your words, uh, I'll create something out of these dry bones that you wouldn't believe. And he prophesies. He, he breathes uh, 
the breath of God over these dry bones and they begin to come together and unite and form a great army moving into the earth. The question is, what are you going to look at and how are you going to see it when you see it? How are you going to see it? Elisha's servant comes out of the tent. They, they've been trying to get away from the enemy because they've been kind of working against Elisha's getting these downloads from God of what the enemy of Israel is going to do next. And he would tell the king, and so they, the king of Israel would maneuver his people and get them out of the way so they weren't trapped, they weren't killed, killed or hurt or harmed. And everything the enemy tried to do, they, they, they found out that someone was given some insight, some, some intel, and he was trying to, where's the worm? Where's the mold in my, in my camp? And they go, it's, we don't have one. It's that guy Elisha. He's, he keeps hearing from God and telling him what's going on on and he goes well let's go kill Elisha let's do away with him let's let's get away done with this guy so they they the army descended upon Elisha's tent and Elisha's servant comes out of the tent early in the morning to get some coffee or to get things to, to start the fire we don't know what he, he comes out of his tent and, and what does he see but he sees they're surrounded by an entire army the enemy and he cries out oh my God, we're going to die, he calls Elisha, Elisha, you got to see this. Elisha gets up and he's wiping the, te- the, the, the stuff out of his eye and yawning, I can see him. And he, and, and he goes, look, 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 they're about to descend upon us. And Elisha is unmoved. He just says, God, just open his eyes. Open his eyes to see things in another dimension. And immediately his servant's eyes were open and he saw what Elisha saw, which is what eagles see. They see what God is doing in the earth and his eyes were open and he saw chariots of fire, he saw horses, he saw the army of God, angelic beings surrounded them. And he says and he cries out, oh my God, greater is they that are with us uh, than they that are against us. Uh, And he had courage again, he had faith again. He wasn't, listen, you gotta have the eye of an eagle, you gotta begin to, soar into the dimensions of God and get the mind of Christ. Jesus asked his disciples, what do you say about me? We've been together for a while. Am I just another teacher? Am I just another rabbi? Am I just another instructor of the law to you? Who am I? What do you see in me? And Peter says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus says, man hasn't revealed that to you, but now you're soaring, Peter. You're starting to live in another dimension. I believe that was probably one of Jesus' happiest moments on the earth, when he realized that one of his guys finally got it. That you don't always look at things the way they are, but there's always something else and another way you can look at something. They would cast a, bring a woman caught in adultery. And according to the law, a woman caught in adultery must die. They can bring her to Jesus' feet. They throw her down. She's, she's in shame. She's in guilt. She, she's been caught. And, and she's sobbing, no doubt, at Jesus' feet. And, and they're all around the, the leaders of the law. The religious people have a stone in their hand ready to do her in. Jesus, what do you say? She's been caught. She's, uh, she's violated the law. What do you think? Uh, and Jesus bends down. He writes in the 
sand. Uh, we don't know what he writes. Uh, perhaps he writes about the, you know, some of the other women that they've had in the side that no one knows about. We don't know what he was writing, but we know that after he got done writing, the stones begin to drop one at a time from the oldest to the youngest uh, until finally Jesus looks up and no one's there. He turns to the young lady. He says, sweetheart, look up. Look, look, look. Uh, what do you see? I don't see anybody. He goes, that's right. Uh, your guilt is removed. Your shame is removed. No one accuses you. Rise up. Uh, sin no more and go and walk with the kingdom of God. What do you see? What do you see? When things come into your world that would knock you off the horse, do you see with the eyes of Christ? Or do you believe what you see? Eagles see what others just don't see. Number two, an eagle will stir up its nest. Let me tell you about the nest. The nest, a typical eagle's nest is nine feet wide. It weighs 2,000 pounds. It's got about a one foot high little wall around it. And mama fills that nest with feathers and moss and grass and all things soft. And that little eaglet stays there for about nine weeks. His feathers come on him. He's growing up. He's fed four times a day. Life is good. Nest is comfortable. Mom and daddy's taking care of me. 10 to 12 weeks go by and a little eaglet decides he's going to turn a little bit and maneuver himself, get a little bit more comfortable in a soft little nest and, and find something sharp, hits him in the bottom. Another sharp thing and he looks up and sees mama eagles with her beak taking things out of the, the soft things out of the nest and dropping them off the side of the nest and over into the cliff. All these soft things are being taken out of the nest. Little Junior's like, what's happening here? You're destroying the home. You're, 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 you're messing things up. Things are starting to get uncomfortable here. Can I just say that you weren't created to sit on your blessed behind in a soft little church on a comfortable little seat to let Pastor JP feed you little beak from time to time, a nice little morsel of something good. You weren't designed to just sit around and get fat in your big nest, but you were created to share Christ everywhere you go. You were created to get a word from God. You were created to soar yourself. In fact, Jesus would say to the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The problem is that the disciples were so, having so much fun with this thing called the new kingdom of Christ. They met every day, they preached in the temple. People would come every day, listen to them. They had small groups going on. Church was growing. Thousands of people coming to know Christ. They had fellowships. They had worship going on. They had communion going on. They had healings and miracles were happening. Except one thing wasn't happening, and that is they weren't doing what Jesus said, which was go into all the world. 
And so God had to allow a wicked emperor to rise up through the Roman Empire who had a an edge towards the Christians. He began to persecute the Christians and suddenly after 10 years of just being in a nice soft nest, uh, persecution began to come to the church uh, and people began to suffer, be in prison. Some even die and suddenly people said, we gotta get out of Dodge. And suddenly we find the church finally went because every single one of us was not designed to sit and hear beautiful words from time to time and just sit and get fat and happy because we know Jesus more than we did before. You're supposed to do something with what you got and that is to share Jesus everywhere you go, every person you run into. How's your soul? How you doing? You doing okay? Do you know Jesus? Have you invited him into your How can I pray for you? You got to be a person who's on a mission because God has created within you to be an eagle. And eagles go. They don't sit in their nest and give fat. God used that persecution to send them into the world. Can I just tell you that discontentment is possibly God reminding you that your purpose is not found in a comfortable nest, but you were born for more than this. Can I remind you that perhaps the reason you're not comfortable right now is because that's not what God called you to be. He didn't call you to be comfortable. He didn't call you to have the nice house on the edge of town with the nice stuff. And that even if you may have that, that's great, that's wonderful. But your calling is much higher and much greater than those things. Uh, he's called you. Two-thirds of the name of God is go. Come on. He's called you to get up and get out of your nest and go. So mama starts picking up all this stuff. And little Junior's just, he can't even sleep at night. He's like, no matter how I put myself, I, no, I can't find a, a position. I, 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 nothing, nothing seems comfortable to me anymore. And on top of that, number three, an eagle hovers over its young. Well, that's a good thing when they're young. Mama spreads its wings out over Junior and it's raining really hard, but Junior doesn't get wet. It's snowing really hard, but Junior doesn't get snowed on. The wind's blowing. She's covering the, 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 the little eaglets up with their wings to keep them from getting blown out of the nest. Oh, things are good. Mama's got it. Mama's got me covered. I, I'm safe when I'm around Mama. Mama's got me. She's, 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 she's taking care of me. But suddenly, one day, little eaglet starting to feel really uncomfortable and he can't find a little soft spot in the nest. And on top of that, feels something on his head. Poof. 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 And he sees mama got a wing beating him on the head. Poof. Poof. He's like, what's happening to my world? I mean, mama, don't you love me? Don't you care for me? What's going on, God? How come you're beating on me? Are you, are you even a God? If you're a God, you wouldn't have allowed this to happen. If you're a God, how could this be? If you're a God, you, shouldn't you be doing good things and nice things and answering every prayer I ever made? Oh, what kind of God are you? Poof. Poof. Many Christians get, that's where there's walk with God stops because they see the pounding on the head as a way, uh, uh, they interpret as God not loving them, as God not caring for them, God's not concerned with their life. Can I tell you that God's not gonna allow you to be stagnant? 
God's love for you is greater than you being stagnant and becoming soft. God wants to toughen you up. up. God wants to get you ready for the real world. God wants you to know that some things, sometimes things aren't going to be comfortable and sometimes things are going to come against you. And you can't just believe that your life is and your existence is nothing more than just a comfortable nest on an edge of a cliff watching everything go by. No, God's calling you to something better and something bigger and he's going to toughen you up. Turn to your neighbor. Come on, touch your neighbor on the shoulder and tell him, God needs to toughen you up. Come on, just go ahead and tell him. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him, you're too soft. Come on. Hey, listen, we all like comfort. I never hear anybody after Christmas go, man, I just got the, I just got the stiffest chair in my life. I got the most uncomfortable couch for a Christmas gift. I, I, I just got the, the hardest, you know, bed as a gift. No, we want soft. And God, God goes, no, I want tough. Our little, our little granddaughter, we love her. Obviously, I got to work in a little granddaughter story here. And, um, and she's kind of at this age now where, where uh, if, if she's barely even touched unexpectedly, she cries. You know what I'm talking about. She basically bumps into something very softly. Ah, and the whole world falls apart, right? And, we, and what do we do? We come we just come. Huh, what's wrong? What's, are you okay? Are you okay? What? Oh, I'm so, you'll be okay. And she's like, we're like trained. We're like a trained animal, you know? And finally, mom and dad realized this isn't good for their daughter. And they began to tell her when she started bumping things, I said, hey, 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 quit crying. You're tough. You're tough. You're tough. And she's starting to buy into it. And so this other day, she bumped into something. She started the wailing thing. And Patrick goes, oh, no, 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 you're tough. You're tough. Say it with me. You're tough. I'm tough. I'm like, whoo, we got a victory going on. I think sometimes we just need to take a little bump. And instead of crying and wailing and feeling like our lives falling apart, we just need to say, hey, I'm tough. I'm bored for this. Devil, that's all you got? That's all you got? You don't have anything bigger than that? You don't know who you're dealing with. I've been through hell and back. I'll come up and slap you upside the head. I'll, I'll, I'll send you back where you came from. You're dealing with a tough one here. That's right. We need to praise our way sometimes out of the issues that we're going through. I was talking with someone the other day. He goes, man, I just, every time I turn around, I'm getting knocked down. I said, well, every time you get knocked down, are you giving God praise? They go, what are you talking about? I said, you just start giving God praise every time you get knocked down. Eventually, he'll quit knocking you down because he don't want you giving God praise. You got to be smarter than the enemy. Come on, somebody. It's that easy. It's that simple. And everything give thanks. Pastor Alex I met him in Moldova. He's the father of the son that I showed you a picture of. He and Alyssa, uh, Nelu and Alyssa, I showed you a picture of a couple of weeks. But also I met their father, Pastor Alex, who started the church of 40 people who bought that big building. You remember what I was telling you about with 40 people in the middle of downtown Kishnau? This is uh, Nelu's father, Pastor Alex. This is the, the man that Pastor Nelu, the young man of 35, took over the church for his dad. Keep that up for a second. And so I was over visiting uh, Pastor Alex and his wife at their house. And he was telling me the stories of how life was under communism. He was telling me stories about his dad and even himself for a while. Where if you were a pastor, his dad was a pastor. 
of a church, you, they, they would, you weren't allowed to work. They would take your job from you. And they would take all these things from you where you, basically they just hoped you would die and go away. And finally said, they said to the pastors and, and, and the leaders of the church under the communist rule regime, they said, if you want to make any, if you want to do anything, you're going to have to do it out in the woods, out in the forest. And they, they banished all the pastors to the forest. That's the only place they could go to have any kind of employment. So the pastors are out in the woods going, okay, what are we going to do? And they decided they would begin to make honey. They became beekeepers. They became some of the greatest beekeepers in the entire nation of Moldova. And this lady, this, the pastor's wife, pulls out this big five-gallon bucket from underneath the sink, pulls it out, puts it up on the counter, pulls the lid off, takes a big old fat ladle and begins to dip it down into this honey and just streams of honey. And she started pouring it in these little water bottles. I said, what you doing? She says, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you some honey. I said, really? She goes, nothing like Moldovian honey. Normal honey is brown, golden brown, not Moldovian honey. It is pure. She says, this is pure honey. It's not brown because there's no, there's no, uh, there's no, nothing in it that's, what's the word I'm looking for that's bad for you, huh? Impurity. Thank you, brother. There's no impurities. It's pure, pure honey. In fact, if you, if you will, if you'll let this sit up in, in, in the cabinet for years, it'll never crystallize. No crystallization. It's pure honey. She said, would you like a taste? I said, absolutely, I took a taste. I went to another dimension. I met Jesus. So that Moldovian bread and this honey, it'll send you to another world. She said, I'm gonna give you a bottle of this honey. I'm like, thank you. And now what, what, what Moldovian pastors and churches are known for is the honey. They're the best Keep beekeepers in all of honey. If you want honey, you go to a pastor or a Christian and you get your honey because what the enemy meant for evil, God turned around for good and he made something powerful, something sweeter than honey. Come on. Woo! So that eaglet crawls up on the edge of that nest and he says, you know, there's gotta be more in life than this. Mom beat me on the head with her wing. Everything's sticking me and poking me around. I'm just going to crawl up on the edge of this nest. And while Eaglet Jr. is climbing, climbing up on the edge of that nest, Mama comes over the edge of that nest and comes down right beside little Junior. Which brings us to number four. The eagle spreads its wings to catch its young. Little Junior finally realizes anything is better than this. Even if this is falling to the earth, I'd rather fall on the cragged rocks below than to endure this. But mama's right there, and so Junior's like, I'm going for it. I, I, I can't do this anymore, and jumps, and mama catches him on, his, on her wings. Mm. Which, before I go any further, let me just say this, a fun fact. That eagle can lock its wings. It's made such a way 
that his wings are powerful, that he can pick up mammoth beings and carry them with their claws or on their wings. They can lock their wings and endure the harshest wind that it can be thrown at an eagle and, is, and, is, and, is, and won't break the wings. They're made, their wings are made to carry things, their wings are made to soar. And what we learn from this little eaglet taking that jump is that you can trust your God. Even, sometimes God allows you to be so uncomfortable, you just say, you know what, I'm just, I, I don't understand, but I'm just gonna trust God and I'm gonna take a jump, I'm gonna take a leap. And when you leap, he catches you. And once he catches you, once you and Jesus become locked together, everywhere the eagle goes, you junior's going. Everywhere mama's going, you're going. Everywhere that, that God is going, you are going. Your obedience is now leading you into a whole other dimension that you didn't know. Man, you're, you're on mama's wings and you're, you're soaring. Woo! You're not doing nothing but holding on, but you're soaring. Look at this. This is life, which leads us to number five. Before I give you number five, let me tell you a little bit about the eagle's mating life. They mate for life. There's no hanky-panky with these guys. They, they find the right eagle, that eagle is the one for them forever. Can I just tell you this about an eagle, because you may not know this, that they have a process. Little female eagle, before she marries male eagle, puts little male eagle to a test. Which is a good little side note to say, if you're here and you're looking for a wife or a husband, you better put them to a test. Don't you snatch and grab anybody comes along just because they wanna put a ring on your finger because they said they love you, come on. You better put them to a test. And it better be a big test, it better be a long test, it better be a test over and over again. Because this is for life. And so Mama Eagle, or that little female eagle, takes a stick and she'll, she'll go way up into the sky, 15,000 feet up into the air. And she'll drop that stick. And if the male eagle can catch that stick before it hits the ground, it catches her eye. If that eagle hits the ground, she's like, you can't catch nothing, I'm out of here. And so he catches that stick and he soars back up and he meets female eagle. She comes down about 10,000 feet and she drops that stick again and male eagle goes into a dive. Whoa. Picks up that stick, grabs it. She comes back down to 7,500 feet, drops it 5,000 feet, drops it. He's going through the rigmarole. He's going through the test, test, test. He's worn out. Finally, she gets to 500 feet. She drops that stick 500 feet. You better have some agility at 500 feet. Drops that at 500 feet before it hits the treetops. A male eagle gets down there, snags that stick and brings it back to mama. And she, female, she realizes, oh, this is a guy I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, this is my man. He can catch a stick at 500 feet. We're gonna do this. She puts the stick down, they soar up into the heavenlies again. They grab each other's claws and they begin to free fall down to the earth while he's stroking the back of her neck. Come on. Some of you animal lovers are like, oh. But guess what, it gets better. 
they almost get to the ground, they unlock and they go back up one more time, they go up high, high, they lock claws again, they fall, free fall to the earth, they're calling, it's called falling in love. And she begins to stroke his neck. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. I want to preach this to my wife. She had to take my daughter to the airport, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I like. And then, then right, they unlock right before they hit the earth and they soar. And at that point, Mrs. Z, the, the female says, this is my man. We just had our little marriage ceremony right there. We're, we're gonna be mated for life. And they go one more time, a third time, up into the heavenlies, lock their claws, and they mate for the first time. And that, that locks them in for spouse forever. She will not leave him, he will not leave her, which is very important. Because number five says, mama will drop the eaglet high in the air. She soars with the eagles. She's got to teach him how to soar, I mean, how to fly himself. And so she soars way up into the heavenlies. And, and, and Papa now is circling around watching the whole thing. And then she does a little move. And Junior falls off of her back and begins to flop around like a crazy little animal, not knowing what to do, flailing, trying to catch some air, trying to figure this thing out. And right before it gets to the bottom and hits the earth, Papa Eagle comes and soars and catches it and takes it. And that's what she, why she was testing him. Come on now, you get it? There's a reason why she's testing Listen, guys, there's a reason why she's putting you through what you're going through. She's got a motive. And he catches little Junior, and he soars way up into the heavens. Uh, and little Junior's like, what, what was that all about? My goodness, I'm hanging on for dear life. That's not going to happen again. Then Mr. Male Eagle goes poof like that. And Eagle falls over. Junior's falling again. He's just flailing, trying to catch some air. And he can't do it. And Miss Mama Eagle catches him right before he hits the ground. And they'll do that 10 times. They'll do that 11 times. They'll do that 12 times. They do it up to 15 times. He's just dropping. He's falling. He's falling again. He's falling. He's falling again. He's like, come on. What's up with this game? I want off. And finally, around the 15th time, sometimes the 10th, little junior, and he makes it, and he becomes the eagle that mama and daddy always dreamed him to be. Oh yeah, there's a lot to be said about that. Because God is determined that you grow up and he's determined that you experience the heavenlies. God is determined that he will pick you up time and time and time again. And he will, pick, once you, me you mess up, you fall, you, you make, make a mistake, he picks you up. And he says, come on, Junior, we're going back up. And you get, he brings you right to his glory, into his presence, into his holy of holies. And you experience the touch of God again. And then you're on your own. God says, okay, you're on your own. Oh, 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 oh. He catches you again. And you fall, you make a mistake, you fall, you make a mistake. He catches you again because you were born to experience the heavenlies and he will not let you down. And the only way he will ever let you down, Mom Eagle, on rare occasions, they say, when that junior decides, Mama knows what it is, I'm not gonna fly. I refuse to fly. I refuse to walk with God. I refuse. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to do what's in my spirit, in my gut, in my nature to do. I'm not going to do it. I will do my own thing. When Eagle, Mama Eagle senses that in a rare occasion, 
on that one more last time, she will take him higher and she will not rescue him. And he will fall to his death because mama knows that eagles are born to soar. You're born to soar. You're born to live in a whole nother dimension. You're born to walk with God, to know God, to hear God, to experience things that others in the natural don't ever experience, to see visions, to have dreams, to see miracles, to experience signs and wonders, to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost which leads us to our last point, we're done. Before I give you the point, let me tell you the story. An eagle given the opportunity will live up to 120 years. 120 years, that's a long time. But something strange happens at age 60. At age 60, daddy, or any eagle, but we'll say daddy at this point, flies back to his original nest where he was born. And mama will join him and he'll plant himself in that nest. And he'll do something very odd. He'll begin to, with his beak, take a feather one at a time and pull it out. He'll pull out his feathers. And the ones he can't reach, Mama will help and she'll, with her beak, pull out the feathers until there's no feathers left on this huge, gigantic, mammoth animal. And as if that's not enough, he will begin to pull out his talons, his claws. Mama will help him. He pulls out all of his claws. You think this guy's gone mad, he's lost his mind. And as if that's not enough, he, he will then lean over by the rock and he'll begin to beat his beak against the rock over, over, over over and over until finally his beak breaks off. And there this majestic eagle sits in this nest without a beak, without claws, without feathers. It looks strange, it looks deformed, it looks weird. It, it's, it's naked, it's showing the scars of life on him. He's helpless. He, there's nothing he can do. But he's been compelled to come back to where it all started. And to do what he's doing, he, he empties himself of himself. He rids himself of his identity. He rids himself of what he knew to be his strength. He rids himself of those things that he relied on for 60 years until he becomes a nothing. 
Mama will carry him periodically to the side of the brook for him to put his beakless face into the water to lap up with his tongue some, some liquid. And she'll carry him back, this naked, ugly sight of an animal into the nest. And she'll fly off from time to time and go find some honey and put her beak all up in the honey and bring it back so he can lick on some of that honey from her beak for nourishment. But then something amazing begins to happen. Come on. A little feather starts to poke out of his skin here and here. Another one here and there. And all over his body starts coming these little, little, little feathers. He looks down, his claws, little nails start coming out of his skin again. If he could see a mirror, he would be able to see the makings even of a new beak coming upon his face. Because point number six, eagles can renew their strength. Come on, somebody. Ooh. And not only that, but underneath his wings, a little sack forms, one here, another little sack here, filled with oil. He never had it before. And these little sacks filled with oil will secrete themselves onto the wings of this eagle for the rest of his life. He will always have the oil poured down over his wings uh, to fly and his wet feathers will not dry up. Uh, they will not crumple up. Uh, they will always be filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the anointing of the Holy Ghost comes uh, upon the life of the eagle Christian. And this means something to me now. When I read the scriptures, of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 21, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord, they that are ugly and they that have reduced themselves to nothing, they that have humbled themselves, they who have gone back to the beginning where they lost their first love, they who have lost the anointing, who have no oil over their wings, they, they that go back and say, I, I can't do it like this anymore. I need something more. I need something of God. I need something heavenly. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh my God! And they shall mount up with the wings of an eagle! And they shall run and not grow weary! They shall walk! They won't faint! Come on, do we have some eagle Christians in the house this morning? Do we have some people that want to soar into the heavens? Do we have some people that want to humble themselves before their God? God is calling us to humble ourselves, to fly back to that place where we first met Him, to go back to that nest, to go back to that place 
where we experience the touch of a heavenly God. You've been cut, you've been bruised, you've been wounded. Over time, things have worn you down. The joy of the Lord isn't there like it used to be. The, the faith that you once had to believe God for all things, uh, somehow it's not there. You, you can't find it, you can't grab a hold of it. You, you don't know where it's at. Uh, you, 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 but you know you lost something along the way. The journey has taken something out of you. And the Lord is saying, go back to the nest and wait, 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 wait upon the Lord. Because He will renew you. He will renew you. He will renew you. Your latter life will be greater than your former. Your latter days will be greater than your former days. He has called you to source. And I believe and I know in my heart there's people in this room this morning and you've lost some things along the way. The journey's taking some things out of you. You can't quite soar like you used to soar. The pain of life is just kind of taking some drag upon you. And your beak's not as sharp and your claw's not as tight. And your weather's not, not quite as clean. But God today is saying, I want to renew your strength. I want you just to wait on me. And I'm asking some people today, if that's you right where you're at, to break out of that aisle. To stand in that aisle. I want you to break out of your seat. Stand in the aisle. And as a sign of saying, man, my God, I need you to touch me. I need a renew of my strength. I need you to come today. And I need you to do something miraculous in my life. Come on, step out of your seat. Join them in the aisle right there. Right in the aisle, come on. We got some eagles that need to soar today. We got some eagles that need to soar. Come on, there's more, come on. Come on, freak out. Just tell the person next to you, excuse me, I, I gotta get my wings back. Come on, get, get out of my way. I gotta get my wings back. Amen, yeah. Come on, I know there's more. I know there's more. Step out into that aisle. Yeah. If you're up above, come on down. Just join those down here below in the aisle. Just right here, come on. Yeah. God's gonna do something powerful today. God's gonna do something powerful today. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's Now, for you other eagles in the house, you see somebody in the out aisle, I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to put a hand upon them shoulders of that person in that aisle. Come on. If you're in this aisle, I want you to stand and I, mean, I want you to just lift your hands to the Lord. If you're in the aisle, I want you to lift your hands. All across, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. A sign of receiving. You're going to receive. You're going to receive. You're going to receive. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands to the heavens. Lift your hands unto the heavens. Now I want you to pray. Pray for those individuals that are in this aisle. In the name of Jesus, Father God, come and touch their life. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves before you, God. And we ask you right to now, today, Lord God, to come and renew and to restore and to build life, Lord, again. In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray. Lord Jesus, you'll come and pour the dreams, fresh dreams, Fresh life, Lord, come right now in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
carry us to a new dimension, Father. Forgive us for being comfortable and lazy. And thank you for reminding us that we weren't meant to live an earthly way. To, but there's something so much bigger and greater for us that you have in store. Father, we long for that secret place, the holy of holies, that, that place where you live and you dwell and you share and you speak into our hearts. Father, we humble ourselves today. We, we take the feathers out. We take the hurts, the pains. We take the past. We take the memories. We take the shame. We take the guilt. And we, we just take it and we just pull it out and we say, oh God, come and restore something new today. Restore something new today. You're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and be the Lord of your life. Maybe you did at one time, but man, things have gotten way out of control. Today, I invite you into a relationship with the living God. Right where you're at, you say, Pastor, I, I wanna know Jesus. I, I wanna make him the Lord of my life. I, I, I don't wanna do things anymore my way. I, I, I want him to take full control right where you're at, would you just raise up a hand and say, man, that's me, pastors. Let me see that hand. Yeah, yeah, come on. Let me see the hands. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, over here. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, keep those hands held high. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. I want to say a prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer. It's called a prayer of salvation. I want you to say this, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Take full control. Thank you for hearing my prayer and helping me from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. If you prayed that prayer, don't move, please, one more, one more minute. You invite Jesus in your heart. We have a, a free Bible out at the table, outside, in the tent. I wanna give you a free Bible, I wanna give you some materials. You need to know how to, how to soar. It's our gift to you. It's our gift to you. Please don't leave without going out there and, and getting that from us. For everyone else here, I want you to turn around. I want you to find a couple people. I want you to tell them, come on, baby, let's fly. Come on, will you do that? Come on, baby, let's fly. God bless you.